0: When I was uh, in high school, I ran on the cross-country team. I think we have a picture of me there. You can decide stud or dud, okay? Uh, That's totally up to you. But we were actually a pretty good uh, cross-country team. We went to semi-state three years in a row, and our coach was very, very demanding. And he was the type of coach who hated to lose. He never wanted to lose whatsoever. And so uh, one particular meet, we were running against our rival, uh, the Anderson Indians, and we lost. And the next day, uh, our coach came and said, hey, everybody, we're going to have a road trip today. And we're like, yeah, road trip. And uh, we got in a van, and he took us 12 miles away to a place called Lost Lake. I don't know if you've ever seen Lost Lake. It's right off of I-69. There's a great big, uh, you know, wording on the roof. And uh, he takes us there, and uh, we were really excited, because usually when we went on road trips, we didn't have to run that much. We just kind of had fun, and we thought, oh, this is going to be awesome. We're going to have a wonderful camping experience at Lost Lake. And so we get to the lake, and he says to everyone, everyone out of the van. So we all get out of the van, we're like, man, this is going to be great, we don't have to run. And then he said these words. He said, since you lost yesterday, I'm leaving you at Lost Lake. And we thought we were all going to have a chill day, we're going to enjoy things. And then he said, find your own way home. He rolled up the window and he drove away. (laughs) And now we're 12 miles from the high school. And it created all kinds of issues and chaos, parents not being able to be there to pick us up. I mean, it was a mess, and it all happened because our coach was angry and mad that we did not beat our rivals. And now we're 12 miles away. We had to find our own way home. And I always thought to myself, it was kind of a mean, bullying thing kind uh, to, to, to do to us, and we had no choice. He was in charge. He was angry and we got punished and had to go run 12 miles to get back home. Now, this is what I realize. A lot of people think that God is like that. That God gets angry at us whenever we mess up, when we sin, when we lose, when we do something and that is against his will. And when we do, what he does is he puts us in a van, takes us off to a far place, and says, Find your own way home. I want nothing to do with you. You're on your own. And the reality is, this brings many questions to each one of us. And questions like we're going to talk about today Is God angry? Is God judgmental? Is God cold-hearted? Those are three of the questions that we're going to be looking at over these next three weeks. And today, what I want to look at is this concept of, is God angry? Looking at anger and God. Now, this is a huge topic for every human being. And the best way for us to kind of understand this idea of anger and God, I think, is by looking at some questions. And here's the first question I want to pose. What does it mean when the Bible talks about, being, about God being angry? What does it mean when the Bible talks about God being angry? I mean, it is true throughout Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, there are places in which we find that God is angry. And let me just share a couple of these Old Testament passages. The first one's in Numbers. It says this, The Lord's anger burned against Israel. And the reason that his anger was toward them is because they were disobedient and they started worshiping pagan gods, gods that were made out of stone or wood or something else. And so that is what his anger came into. Or here's one in Job chapter 4. It says, By the breath of God, evildoers perish, and by the blast of his anger, they come to an end. So it's very, very easy for us to look at Scripture and say, yep, sometimes God does get angry. But the comparison game is where we get into trouble. Because many times what we want to do is compare when people get angry compared to God's anger or superheroes when they get angry compared to God's anger. And we can't do that. Now I want you to look at the side screen just for a second. Who is this superhero right here? The Hawk, right? And the Hawk has a bodily transformation that takes place when he gets angry, when he gets mad, something changes. Now when he's just normal, Dr. Bruce Banner, he'll actually say to people, he'll say, you do not want to see me get angry. Don't make me get angry. You would not like me if I was angry. And many times what happens is we have this perception that we think God is like the Incredible Hawk, that God can't control his anger, that he loses it. He gets mad and he explodes. Again, when we talk about God and anger in the Bible, we can't think of it in the same way as people and anger or superheroes in anger. And you might ask, well, why can't we do that? I've always done that my whole life. I get angry. I figure God must get that same anger that I have. Well, first of all, uh, the reason why we can't do that is because the Bible says that God is perfect. I'd like you to look at the person beside you right now or in front of you. Guess what? They're not. Okay? They are not perfect. They are not perfect. Now, you thought you married someone perfect, and then after the first day, you realized they weren't. Well, the scripture says only God is perfect, He's different than us. He's never mean. He has never sinned. He never has sinful thoughts or sinful actions because God is spirit. Uh, That's what scripture says. God does not have a body like you and I. It's a real important dimension to understand. God is spirit. He is not human body. And what that means is that God Doesn't have a brain. So never does God get really mad about something in his brain. And then all of a sudden he has to go off on somebody. But some of you have brains, don't you? And you go off all the time on people. High blood pressure. When we get angry, our blood pressure goes up. Guess what? God doesn't have blood pressure. When it comes to a physical beating heart, you have one. And all of a sudden it starts racing because you're angry. God does not have a physical heart. He never goes off. He never melts down. He never goes loco on people. Loco means crazy. Some of you are like, why did he just say that? That's what it means in Spanish. Loco, to go off, to go crazy on someone. Now, humanly speaking, anger is something that you and I have a bodily kind of experience that we have when anger takes place. What, what can happen? Our blood pressure can actually rise. We can start to sweat. We start to have a racing uh, heartbeat. Our stomach gets in knots altogether. And we actually start getting red in the face. And the reality is, is that the writers of the Old Testament in the Hebrew language, they understood anger, and the Hebrew language, uh, language was very colorful in being able to express human emotion. What would happen? And so the actual word for anger in Hebrew is the word asked. And what it means is nose. And what would come out of this is that they would talk about anger and it would, they would say it is from the nose that this happens because the nostrils flare. And there is this sense of I look down my nose on contempt of someone else. And when we get red in the face, it's because all of a sudden there's all of this blood that comes to our nose area. And we begin to see blood collecting there and there is a red face. Now, what's interesting is when you look at scripture, one of the phrases that is connected to God is this phrase, slow to anger that God is actually slow to anger. And what it means is long-nosed, that you have a long nose. So what I'd like you to do right now, look at the person beside you or in front of you or beside you. Those on the stream, you can look in a mirror or look at somebody that is beside you. And what I'd like you to do is size up their nose for a second, okay? Look at their nose here just for a second, okay? Now, go ahead, look, 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 look at their nose. Now... What I'd like you to notice right now is look at my nose. You know what this is? This is a long nose. And what that means is that I am godly-like. And what that means is that you should be reverent to someone who has a long nose like you really should. Now, uh, if you have, or the person beside you has a small nose... Or like a, sleep, uh, a a snow slope kind of nose or a stubby nose like my wife. In Hebrew, what that means is they have issues. <laughs> Not really. But they get angry, those small-nosed people. So you got to watch out uh, for them. But uh, seriously, uh, God is often referred to in this phrase, slow to anger. And it is a central character of who he is. His name was actually given as slow to anger. For example, when God reveals himself to Moses, this is what God says. Then the Lord came down in a cloud, stood there with Moses and proclaimed his name. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. What's the next three words? Slow to anger. anger. There's his name, the long-nosed God, abounding in love and in faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Folks, God's character is one of slow to anger. In fact, that phrase slow to anger is mentioned seven times in the Old Testament naming who God is. And every single time it says slow to anger, what is uh, immediately preceding it or following it is this phrase. He is abounding in love. So God is slow to anger and he is abounding in love. That's his name. Slow to anger, abounding in love. Repeat after me. Slow to anger. No, after me, not while I'm saying it. Uh, Repeat after me. Slow to anger, anger. abounding in love. Again, slow to anger, anger. again, abounding in love. That's who God is. That is his essence. That is his character. You know, that's who the God of the Bible is. But he doesn't do mean. He doesn't do malice. Uh, He never wants to harm anyone else in his anger. He doesn't fly off the handle. He doesn't lose it. However, slow to anger does not necessarily mean that God never gets angry. It just says that he is slow to anger. Now, this leads us to our next question, and it's this. Is God a loving God or an angry God? Is God a loving God or is God an angry God? You know, sometimes you'll hear people say something like this. I like the God of the New Testament, the one that Jesus talks about of love, but I don't like the God of the Old Testament. Have you ever heard that before? And if you have before, I'll tell you one person who would never make that statement at all, and that person is Jesus. Because Jesus understood God through the Old Testament. from the Old Testament that he actually writes and he actually understands. And he hears about the character of God. He got all of his information. Jesus got every information from the Old Testament when it came to God. In fact, the first kind of commandment that Jesus gives comes directly from the Old Testament. And this is what it says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. Folks, part of the reason why the people of Israel loved this commandment and wanted to honor it so much is because it basically said God wants to be loved. God wants to be loved now that's an amazing thought don't you think that that god actually wants to be loved this was the commandment that he wanted to be loved and in the midst of all of that there is this perspective that jesus gives and says This is how you are to obey all the laws. The first one is to love God because he wants to be loved. Now, this is really important when you're thinking about uh, love and anger because the opposite of love, folks, is not anger. The opposite of love is malice. And malice wants to actually do harm. You see, Anger isn't that. Anger is simply an emotion that one has. But there's a problem that we have as human beings because we're not God, we're not perfect, we don't understand everything. Almost every human being I know, when they are thwarted, when something is prevented, when they're not able to do what they want to do and another person gets in their way, they want to get back at that person. Whoever it is, they want to hurt them in some way. And in many cases, what it leads to is malice in our thoughts, in our words, or our actions towards another person. We have the will to want to actually cause some sense of harm or damage for someone else. Folks, this is what I need you to know. God does anger, but God doesn't do malice. God does anger, or you might say, God doesn't do mean. God is the person who is constantly good and loving and kind. He does get angry about things, but he never does mean. He never does malice. God is never one to harm another person. Now, what I'd like to do is to share with you a story of Uh, God's anger in the Bible. And we're going to kind of have story time with Chris, okay? So if you didn't bring your blankie today, uh, wake up, come to the carpet, and here is the story, okay? It's a story about a guy by the name of Moses. God comes to Moses. You might remember Moses. He's given the Ten Commandments. He does these amazing miracles on behalf of God. And God comes to him, and he says, I want you to go to Pharaoh... Who is the president of Egypt and he was considered a God. And God tells uh, Moses, the God of the Bible, I want you to free my people because Pharaoh has been oppressing them. And Moses just keeps putting this off and he puts God off and he's like, No, I don't want to do this. And who am I, anyways, to go to another God? And yet, the God of the Bible is very patient and he goes to Moses and he says, it doesn't matter who you are, I am going to be with you. I'll go with you. And all of a sudden, Moses goes to, Moses says, well, who are you? And God says, well, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses says, well no, I'm not going to do it anyways. They're not going to believe me. Whatever I say to them, Pharaoh and his people will not believe. And God says, well, I'll do signs. I'll do all kinds of miraculous signs. And Moses says, well, uh, that's fine, but I'm not a good talker. And God says, well, I'll make you a good talker and I'll put somebody with you to help you talk and I'll help you do that. And Moses says, no, 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 no. Send somebody else. And then the scripture says this. It says these words. It says the Lord's anger Burned against Moses. The Lord's anger actually burned against Moses. So, what does God do? What does He do? Does He throw down a bolt of lightning and just like blow Moses up? Does He smite him like in the movie Bruce Almighty? I'll smite me, God, you great smiter. Does he smite him? Does he kind of just send something to make him so sick that he dies? No, you know what God does? He sends him his brother Aaron, Moses' brother Aaron. And he says, Aaron, you talk on behalf of Moses, and it'll all work out. And they go, and they free the people, and everything works out perfectly fine. And all goes well. You know, reality is, folks, God does anger, but he doesn't do mean. God does anger, but he never does malice. He never does mean. You know, it's really important to understand, folks, the connection between love and anger. Because God is spirit And we need to understand that Jesus came both as one who was fully God and fully human. And in his presence, we understand that he deeply understands the love of God. And he experienced it even to the point of dying on a cross. God loves deeply. He feels deeply. In fact, anger is always kind of connected in some way to love. C.S. Lewis put it like this. Anger is the fluid that love bleeds when you cut it. Let me say that again. Anger is the fluid that love bleeds when you cut it. Now, one way that I get angry is I get mad when I shouldn't. But another way that actually happens a whole lot is that sometimes actions happen and I fail to get angry when I should. I actually fail to get angry about something when I should. For example, think about how many people are mistreated in our world, and you find someone that's mistreated, and what do you do sometimes? You just walk away. Or how many times is someone bullied around us and we choose not to get involved? Or when does someone actually kind of like you know, lose money or they're taken advantage of financially in some way and we go on. Or maybe something that hits a little bit more closer to each one of you. How many times when there are people around you and harm is done to them that you just say, I'm not going to get involved and you walk away, you have no anger towards the injustice done to them at all. Folks, this is what I want to say. If God is any kind of God who loves justice, he's got to get angry. Look at him. What if he just sat from heaven and looked down on the billions and billions of people, and every day countless people who are unseen and unknown get hurt? Elderly people getting abused. Little babies who have done nothing wrong and they get beaten. Innocent people who are gunned down. Whole races of people demeaned simply because of the color of their skin. And human beings being trafficked, uh, trafficked in multiple different ways as sexual objects. What kind of God would look down upon that and simply say, well, you know, that's some way, that's sometimes just the way that it goes. Sometimes stuff just happens. That's just the way you earthlings are. It just happens like that. Folks, if God is any kind of God whatsoever, He's got to get angry. And it doesn't mean that he does mean, because the Bible says he doesn't do mean. It doesn't mean he sins, he doesn't cause malice. But when he sees injustice around, he has to have a righteous anger towards that. When there is disobedience that goes to great lengths, he gets angry towards that. Now, you and I, we don't have righteous anger very often. We just have anger towards not getting our way or someone doing something that we wish they hadn't, but we tend to not have much righteous anger. And so what we have to do is take our anger to the one who does know, understand, who does understand anger, and we give it to him and we surrender it to him because he knows how to handle anger. Paul, the guy who wrote close to half of the New Testament and is considered one of Jesus' closest followers, he actually started a church. And as he started this church, he wrote to the church. And it's words actually for you, where you're sitting at today. And this is what he said. He said, in your anger, in other words, it doesn't mean never get angry. It doesn't say that. It says, in your anger, do not, what's the next word? Sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Folks, it's not God, it's the devil, it's the evil one who grabs and takes a foothold of our sin and of our anger and he pulls us into sin. And where this all comes out for you and me is kind of our big idea this morning for you to take home and it's this, each day I must surrender my anger to God. Each and every day, as human beings, we must surrender our anger to God. Why? Because only God knows how to handle anger. You know, I was thinking about it, and the reality is, I have a lot of anger. And so do you. You have much more than you think. And sometimes we have exploding anger and we kind of go off. When I was in my 20s, I had so much anger in me and and regularly would go off on things. I had to go to counseling to do anger management because my marriage was really suffering because of anger. And as I've gotten older, though, what I found is that my anger doesn't explode as much, but sometimes it comes across in very sneaky kind of Uh, passive, uh, maybe even pouting ways. And one of those happened uh, just last week. I had a couple of really busy days back to back. And then uh, I had another morning that I had to get up at five in the morning because I had a meeting at six. And then I had another meeting after that. And all I wanted to do after these two days that were jam packed in an early morning was to go home, get my run in, get a uh, shower and just rest. For a little bit. And then I was going back to work in the afternoon. And I let my wife Jennifer know this. And then she called me. uh, Early in the morning. And this is what she said. She said can you make sure that the office is cleaned up. I'd rather not be scrambling tonight. To clean everything up. Now. This was a very reasonable request. I had made the mess, anyways, in the office. It was all my stuff. It wouldn't take that long. So, how do you think I responded? Um, do you think I responded immediately like this? Thank you so much, beautiful and wonderful wife. Thank you for challenging me to serve our family and to serve our girls. Thank you, oh, wife of mine. Is that the way I responded? I did not. The way that I responded was, I started thinking to myself, who does she think she is? She knows I've had two busy days back to back, and I've actually worked more hours while she was sleeping. I've worked longer than she's worked today while she was sleeping, and what is up with her? But if she wants... Not to scramble around tonight. I'll clean that office. I'll make sure that office is taken care of. And you know what? I'm even going to do more than the office. I'm actually going to do the family room. I'm going to do some of the clothes. I'm going to do the whole spiel. I'm going to show her that I am a person who can do this. And I don't care how miserable it makes me. I don't care how much I have to suffer to be able to do this. I am going to show her. She doesn't have to scramble around tonight. Now, am I the only person who ever has thoughts like this? Oh, you righteous people here today. (laughs) We're all like that, right? We have thoughts like that regularly, angry in my mind Because she thwarted what I wanted to do, what prevented me from doing. And many times we'll get sucked into anger and then we sin and we have thoughts. And so later that afternoon, I was actually working on this teaching and this idea of passive anger came to me and I was like, oh, you got an illustration now, don't you? And I thought to myself, you are an idiot. I mean, Jen does five times as much as you do. You're an idiot. So I picked up the phone and I called her and I said, honey, I am such an idiot. And she said, I know. <laughs> and then I simply shared this amazing thing that God gives to you and I when it comes to anger. He actually invented it. You know what it is? The invention is called forgiveness. And I asked Jen to forgive me for the thoughts of anger that I had towards her, and of course, she was gracious enough to forgive. You know, if you think about the cross, folks, it is the combination of anger and love. God is so angry at your sin and my sin that He puts it on the cross, but He also comes to give love to every sinner, and love wins. And the result of that is forgiveness that he gives to you and I. And this amazing power that is a result of the cross is something that you can do and that I can do and that we can share with other people. And so I simply want to close by giving you one more question. Because I think it's one that many people ask. And it's this, is God mad at me? Is God mad at me? Does God sit up from heaven looking down at us at some of the things we've done in our past or we did today or thoughts that we've had and has his big big finger wagging down at us going, no, 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 you are bad. I want to tell you the truth is, is that God does get angry sometimes. He experiences that. But the reality is, I'm glad that God gets angry because he gets angry at the things that are not love. But any time that we come to the cross, even with our anger or our sin, the result that comes from that is forgiveness because love, folks, always wins. You know, I was thinking that some of you battle this enough that what you should do is wake up each morning and you should actually say these words God is not mad at me. God is not mad at me. You should write it on a piece of paper, put it on your car, go through your day knowing God is not mad at me. Whatever I did in my past, God is not mad at me. God isn't angry. God isn't going to smite you. The reality is God is head over heels in love with you. He thinks about you all the time. You're always on his mind. There's never been a moment that he hasn't loved you. In fact, God actually gives these words to the people of Israel through a guy by the name of Jeremiah when he said this. He said, God said, I've never quit loving you and never will. Expect love, love, and more love. And that's what God says to each one of you and every single person on the stream today. I've never quit loving you and I never will. Expect love, love, and more love. Because there has never been a moment in your life That God has not loved you. And so, what can we expect from God from now until eternity? It's easy. Love, love, and more love. Today, there are five people that are going to get baptized at the YMCA after uh, the second celebration. And what they've actually said is, Jesus, I need your love in my life, and I'm giving my life to you to receive that love. And what I'd like you to do is to look at a video of what their life was like with one word before they found the love of God, and the transformation that has happened to them since they found the love of God. So let's check this out right now. cool transformation, the love of God. Um, Let's pause and let's pray. Well, loving God, we uh, thank you for every single life that we just saw and that we witnessed um, choosing you above all else. And God, we are so grateful for each of their stories. And today, God, Um, as we think of our own story, for some of us, part of our story right now is that we're angry at somebody else. Somebody did something, they said something, there's some resentment or anger that we've been carrying for a long time. And right now I'm gonna invite the lights to come down for no one to kind of move around, but for you to have a moment where just between you and God, you can ask him right now, God, is there any unresolved anger in me? Is there anything in my life, God, that is resentful or holding a grudge towards another person? Maybe for you right now, you didn't think about it before, but now all of a sudden there's a name of a person, there's a face of a person There's someone that you have unresolved anger towards. You've actually had some malice. You've wanted something to happen to them because of what they've done to you. And if that's you, if you're carrying some kind of unresolved anger, but today you really do want to release that to God. You may not be able to ask forgiveness of them right now, but right now you really do want to release your anger to God. I'm going to invite you to simply raise your hand. Everyone on the stream as well, just raise your hand to be able to say, God, I give this anger to you. Let me pray for you. God, I pray for each hand that is lifted up. God, I pray right now that whatever unresolved anger that they're carrying, I invite them to just name it silently. That God, they don't need to say it out loud, but they can just say, God, I give, whether it's a person, whether it's something at work, I give this to you, this person to you. Whatever you're angry about, what situation it is, I give this to you. God, I surrender it to you. God, I can't handle this on my own. I give this to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can put your hand down. You know, I was thinking about it, that for some of you, the reality is that you really do. You think deep in your heart that God's mad at you. Something that you've done in your past, uh, some relationship, uh, some action that you committed, that you have the wrath of God on you, that he is mad at you. Well, I want you to know that that Anger that wrath actually was settled on the cross. Jesus said, I'll love you this much as he died on a cross so that you would know God is never mad at you. He actually wraps his loving arms around you in the midst of your sin and says, you are forgiven. I am not mad at you. I'm in love with you. And I was just thinking today, That maybe someone on the stream or somewhere here in the auditorium, maybe you've never made that commitment before. Maybe you've never said, Jesus, I want you in my life. I need you in my life. And you've been carrying this feeling that God is mad at me and God is not mad at you. And today, if you're ready to say, I want his love, I need his love, I need his grace, I need to know he's not mad at me, that he's there for me, he's with me, he never walks away from me, he gives me a second chance, he gives me a home in heaven, then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself, but it's one that we pray together in unity as one. And so if you would, I'd invite you to just bow your head, close your eyes. And if you feel comfortable doing so, just repeat this prayer after me. God, thank you for sending Jesus to save my life. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.